What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and we've got an exciting show for you today. We're going to cover NBA. We're going to talk about the playoffs if they started today, who would be the favorites to win. Uh, We're going to talk NFL. We're going to go through rumors on all 32 teams, some quarterback changes, possibly some trades, who's going to draft who, and all that and a lot more. So our starting five for today, I'm going to be ranking the top five teams I think have the best chance to win the NBA Finals. So let's jump right into it with number five and the Toronto Raptors. They're the reigning defending champs, and when Kawhi Leonard spurned them for the Clippers this offseason, many expected there to be some sort of drop-off. You know, not the exact same team that we'd seen before, but they're actually better. At this point in the season, they have a better record uh, in, you know, as far as regular season goes, a better record than they did when Kawhi Leonard was on the team last year. Now, obviously, he rested some games, and we've seen an insane increase in production from Pascal Siakam. But this team looks really good. Uh, they've, you know, like I said, they've got Pascal Siakam, Van Vliet took a huge step, Kyle Lowry's been playing well, Marcus Saul's contributing, Norman Powell. I mean, they've got top to bottom, they've got a really solid roster uh, and and a team that's really ready to compete. Uh, so right now they sit in second in the Eastern Conference at 42 and 18. Um, they're fighting with the Celtics, you know, maybe at the end of the season, they're probably going to lock up that two or three seed um, if everything holds about the same, but they've got the experience. The only thing that they're missing is that true star player with with experience. I mean, Siakam's seen a huge increase in his play, like I said before, was selected to the All-Star game, uh, and as far as stats go, averaging 23 points, uh, 7.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, uh, but he's not really that next level superstar quality that they have that they had with Kawhi Leonard. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the playoffs. Obviously they've got that finals experience and they've just got a really solid, you know, seven, eight guys uh, on that roster that can compete with just about any team given the chance. Uh, so have to see what happens there. Missing that true superstar, but pretty deep as a team overall. Coming in at number four is the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics have been on a tear as of late, largely thanks to Jason Tatum, who's really taken that next step. In the entire month of February, I believe he averaged 30 points a game. He had a couple games where he just went off. Uh, winning or losing, he kept them in every game, even though Kemba Walker's been hurt. So their biggest issue right now is lack of depth. I mean, they've got stars, and they've got guys that can drop 25 on you on any given night. It could be Tatum. It could be Kemba Walker. It could be Jalen Brown could be Gordon Hayward, or even Marcus Smart. At any point, these guys can go off, but when they need a break, can you really rely on Rob Williams, Brad Wanamaker, Grant Williams, uh, you know, just just guys like that, uh, and and ask them to hold the lead for five to seven minutes or however long it takes? That's going to be the big issue, but starting five, this may be one of the most complete teams uh, in the entire NBA. And obviously, once Kemba Walker gets back, Marcus Smart's going to be moved to the bench, and he'll give them a bit of life and really rejuvenate that offense. But the combo of Daniel Tice and Enos Cantor at the center position has been working really well. When Rob Williams comes back from injury, he's another elite rim protector that they can employ, uh, especially against some of these bigs in the Eastern Conference. The biggest problem for them will be stopping uh, a guy like Giannis, a guy like Joel Embiid, if they do have to play them in the playoffs. Last year, they had a combo of Al Horford, and Marcus Morris, and occasionally Marcus Smart was thrown in the mix a little bit, but their best defender, you know, it's going to have to be Jalen Brown that steps up, or Daniel Tice, or Gordon Hayward, one of these guys, we're going to have to see some serious defensive improvement if they're going to have a chance, because that's really what's stopping them from the finals at this point, is finding a guy that can shut down a big star, because they've got, you know, they've got the wing and, and length and depth to guard some of these one, twos, threes, and even fours, but uh, you know, guys like Giannis and Joel Embiid are tough to stop. Really, any team's going to have an issue, uh, but they're they're definitely a big weakness, uh, you know, defensive bigs, and depth. Now, coming in at number three, we have the L.A. Clippers. So the L.A. Clippers, a little rocky. Things haven't gone exactly the way that they'd hoped they, they would go for the team. Uh, you know, obviously, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have struggled to get time on the court together, but when they have, they've done really well. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, 27.7.5 rebounds. Great start to the season. Paul George has taken a bit of a dip uh, as far as production goes. Last year, he was a dark horse for MVP. This year, not so much. 21.6 rebounds, 4 assists, which is good, but 
not entirely the player they envisioned when they sent away uh, a ton of first-round draft picks in exchange for him last year. Uh, but once this team clicks, once they get it going, they're going to be tough to beat. I mean, they they made the move for Marcus Morris at the deadline. Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, Landry Shamit. They got Reggie Jackson in the buyout market. Patrick Beverly, Avika Zubak, Jeff Green, Mo Harkless. I mean, the list is just crazy. They're eight, nine, ten players deep of guys that can really contribute and make a big impact. Uh, obviously, when it comes to playoffs, they're going to find that set lineup of of surefire guys. Um, but you know Lou Williams, Paul George, or Kawhi Leonard can get you a bucket if necessary. And once the chemistry clicks, I really do believe Doc Rivers can get this team uh, to the finals. But so far, we haven't seen it. So that's why they make it here uh, in at number three on the list. But moving on to number two, the Milwaukee Bucks. They've probably got uh, the MVP this year on their team in Giannis Antetokounmpo. He'll probably go back-to-back. 30 points a game, 14 rebounds, 6 assists. I mean, he's really doing it all for them. He, he's really hit that next gear, uh, and they've got a plethora of complimentary stars. Chris Middleton, Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez, George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, just the, the list goes on and on. But the one thing that you don't see a lot of in this team is experience. Uh, we saw them fall flat in the playoffs last year when they went up against the Raptors. Will that same thing happen again? Because this East is a lot better than it was last year. Uh, you know, the Celtics are making a push. They're they're coming together, uh, making a team out of themselves. The 76ers, if they flip a switch, they're good. The Miami Heat have come out of nowhere. The Toronto Raptors, I mean, there's they're going to have to play two solid series against two really good teams before they even make it to the NBA Finals. So right now, their biggest concern is, can they show up in the playoffs? Can Giannis, has Giannis taken that next step? to uh, change his game to really win essentially three seven-game series. That's probably what it's going to come down to, six or seven-game series against some of the elite competitors in the NBA. Uh, you know you know they can win um, in the regular season, but the playoffs, that's a whole different beast. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there with them. Uh, and also, not only Giannis, but the guys around him. Can they compete? Can they keep things competitive? Uh, and really deliver, you know, 15 to 20 points, because that's all Giannis needs. Once he gets going, I mean, last night he had 40 and 20. Uh, so once he gets going, he's going to be tough to stop. But, I mean, that's, you know, he can only score so many points and, and give out so many assists before his teammates need to carry the load. But finally coming in at number one, the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, come on, LeBron is playing at what seems like another new level, another new high for him, leading the league in assists, tied for the lead in triple-doubles. Uh, 25 points a game, eight rebounds, 10 and a half assists. And Anthony Davis dropping 26 with 10 rebounds, three assists. I mean, these guys, these two have been carrying the team on their own. And when Anthony Davis goes down with an injury like we saw last night when they play the Pelicans, LeBron is fully capable of taking the game over. Um, I mean, as far as weaknesses go, does LeBron get tired? Because Anthony Davis, uh, you know, he, had, he doesn't have a ton of playoff experience. Can he carry a team? in the chance that LeBron hits a wall because it makes sense. I understand why LeBron James is is playing this hard. Um, he's trying to create an environment that Anthony Davis enjoys, a place that he's going to want to re-sign for the max so he can eventually pass the torch and you know uh, slowly slide away into the sunset. I mean, obviously for him, sliding away is still 20 points, 8 assists, 7 rebounds, something like that. Uh, but if he hits that wall... Can Anthony Davis be trusted to take over the team? Because at the rate they're playing, these guys are the NBA champs. I mean, they've got, uh, they just got Markeith Morris in the buyout market, so he's going to be able to shoulder some of the defensive load. I mean, you know what Danny Green can do, Avery Brad Bradley, uh, Rajon Rondo, JaVale McGee. I mean, they've got a lot of solid role players, a lot of guys that have experience uh, in big games, uh, but... If LeBron goes out, that changes the entire complexion of the team, not only offensively, but defensively as well. Uh, one of the teams that just missed out was the Denver Nuggets. And, you know, you guys may be wondering why they didn't make this list over, you know, why I have three East teams instead of three West teams. And it's just the fact that the Nuggets feel like a, a regular season team to me. I mean, they've got a star, Nikola Jokic. But you look at their roster, and it's littered with guys that are decent. They're doing all right. But if they get cold, they get cold. I mean, Jamal Murray is the closest thing they have to a star. But he dominate, He needs the ball. But Jokic needs the ball, uh, you know, and, and if he's off, if Murray's off, it really throws the entire plan, the entire game plan for a loop. Uh, and we saw last year in the playoffs, Jokic was the only guy getting anything done on the team. 
and he's he's great. He's a superstar for sure, but he's not LeBron Giannis level where he can just take over a game. He just doesn't have the uh, athleticism for that. So they've got a they're deep, you know, 10, 10 players deep, even after the trade deadline when they move some people. But it just doesn't feel like they've got enough uh, enough ability to really show up when it's when it's necessary. I mean, they could prove me wrong, but I fully expect them to fall to either the Lakers or the Clippers, depending on who they play um, in the second round coming up here. But let's keep it moving to another segment, our MLS Fantasy Corner. For those of you who are listeners of the of the podcast and are, are involved in MLS soccer, uh, I mean, it's nice when things, when things work out. Uh, Vermeer and Segura, two guys I started, the uh, LAFC goalkeeper and the LAFC defender. They pitched a shout-out. Great game by them. And Vela scored a goal. So my advice for this week, just taking a peek at it, uh, obviously Vela, start him again as your captain. I think he's only going to get better. Um, but the other thing that's really key here is the Seattle Sounders last week got knocked out of the CONCACAF um, what, uh, North America Cup, I, I think it is. Um, and we've seen that take a toll on a lot of teams as we move on into the season. So it's almost a blessing in disguise that they were moved this early because their guys are going to be coming in with fresh legs, warmed up, ready to go. When a lot of the top teams here, uh, even LAFC included, are, are going to are going to be feeling the effects of it as we move on towards the middle portion of the season. So I would rely heavily on some Seattle Sounders guys. Uh, you know, Lodero is a fantastic piece. Jordan Morris had one of the best games out of everybody this entire season, the first week, um, and a couple of defenders. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just keep that in mind because they're going to start to cook, especially as these teams get more and more tired because you want to win. You'd like to win both, but you know you can give up a few games if you're a team um, at the top of the MLS here in the regular season in order to make that push for the CONCACAF uh, Champions League. That's what it is, CONCACAF Champions League. I got it figured out, um, but... That's that's my MLS fantasy corner. Just something a little short and sweet uh, as we as we move on here. But we're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, I'm gonna go through all all rumors for 32 teams in the NFL, and then we're also going to do a uh, a little bit of a, a playoff predictor bracket if the playoffs ended today in the NBA. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, we are back, and we're gonna whip through all of the rumors surrounding the 32 teams in the NFL. A lot of it's going to be around the draft, but there's a few free agency questions that teams want to answer. Some guys may be on the move. Some may be signing in free agency. Some may be traded. So let's take a look here. We're going to start in the NFL draft order. Obviously, if they don't have a first-round pick, then we're going to go with the team that formerly had the pick before it was traded away. But let's jump into it. So first off, the Bengals. Drafting Joe Burrow seemed like an exclamation point midway through the college football season towards the end, but now it feels like more of a question mark. Uh, Burrow has expressed that he would love to be the first-round pick, but it doesn't feel like there's an overall excitement about going to the Bengals. Now, I don't think there's too much truth in those rumors. Obviously, he's going to be drafted by the Bengals, barring some sort of material change at some point, but it'll be very interesting to see, you know, do, do the Bengals look to explore other options? Do they look to trade uh, but if they do draft Burrow, what happens to Andy Dalton? Is he just going to be relegated as the backup? Is he going to be moved to a different team? Maybe a team that's in contention, wants to win. Uh, we're going to see more quarterbacks do this as we go through this list here. Um, and finally, A.J. Green. They franchise tagged a guy who would rather claim he was hurt than play for you. Uh, you know, do you believe that getting Joe Burrow and an overhaul and in, in you know team talent is going to make him want to come back? I feel like it's a little risky. Uh, paying them all that money when, and let, you know, unless there's the off chance that they're trying to do a bit of a tag and trade here. But I don't know. The Bengals, it seems like, you know, there should be a lot of hope and optimism for a team drafting first. But it seems like we're setting the stage for turmoil at some point. Uh, and I doubt Joe Burrow pulls an Eli Manning and, and moves on and forces a trade, basically. But it's going to be an interesting uh, scenario to cover the more we move through uh, and get closer to the draft. Coming in at number two, the Redskins. There was a report out there that they bo they brought both Joe Burrow and Tua Tungavailoa in for draft conversations. And this is, they said, they claimed this is more than formality. But the funny thing here to me is there was a report that came out a couple weeks ago that Ron Rivera said he would, uh, 
that he would claim this wasn't him, this was a source, that he would try to be deceptive and trying to fool people into what they're actually going to do uh, in this offseason, whether it's pursuing free agents or drafting players. And the interesting thing to me is whether or not he's just fooling with the media, throwing up his smokescreen, and even trying to create trade value for this number two pick, that's definitely not something that you want leaked to the media. Like That ruins the whole idea of surprise and uh, being secretive is letting everyone in the league know, yeah, we're going to try and be really secretive this year. Uh, so that's unfortunate from their standpoint. And as far as trading the number two pick goes or even drafting Tua, I mean, Dwayne Haskins started to look better as the season progressed, uh, but by no means is he going to be, or did he play like one of the top quarterbacks um, in the league, even above average. But maybe you get him, you get Trent Williams back, Brandon Scherf, you tag him, uh, build that offensive line. Darius Geis hopefully comes back healthy. You've got a lot of young receivers. Do you trust him, or does he turn into a Josh Rosen where you know you you move on from from him, try to get some value from him, and then draft Tua? Or on the flip side, try and move back. Maybe they're not sold on Chase Young as a guy. You know they've got one of the better front sevens in the NFL, but obviously Chase Young would put him put them over the top. Now, do they feel like they don't need him? Do they, you know, do they think they could move back, trade back, and still get a player like him? All very interesting scenarios that I think they will have to consider um, as as move as they're moving forward. But drafting a quarterback would just shake up the entire draft and push a lot of top tier prospects into the teen range, which is good for those those teams in those in in that area. Moving on to number three, the Lions. Matt Stafford came out, well, there's a rumor that came out that he was looking to be traded. The Lions obviously denied that claim, but they haven't denied that they're looking at Tua Tungavailoa at, at number three. Now, also, this could be another Redskins situation where they're trying to drum up interest, maybe create a trade, teams like the Dolphins, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Colts, that maybe want to move up to three, and some of them have the capital to do so. Um, or, you know, is Stafford realizing, hey, these lines, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. Maybe I try to force a trade, go to a contender, see what they can uh, see what they can get out of me, see what I can do with a fully filled out defense, great coaching staff, uh, and all that sort of thing. Or there's always the off chance that they're just moving back because there's a very real possibility that the Lions could trade back from three to five, maybe net another uh, first rounder at the end of the draft from the Dolphins and still get their guy in Jeff Okuda. Uh, now, whether or not they want Okuda we're not sure yet, but he would be a great replacement to Darius Slay, who they're also rumored to be shopping. But also, some another thing that uh, I was listening to a podcast today, Stick to Football, and they mentioned the idea that instead of going for capital in the 2020 draft, move, uh, ask for some capital in 2021. When you know, let's say you don't take Tua here, but you've got Justin Fields, you've got Trevor Lawrence, a couple of really top tier prospects that you would really have the capital to make a move for them. You know, give Matt Stafford one more year with this offense, try and figure things out, and maybe wait till 2021, get one of those guys, and now you've got Okuda, you've got more picks that whether or not you are bad enough that you can select them on your own or use your capital to move up, you're, you're set. Uh, so interesting. We'll see what happens there. Uh, but uh, these teams, almost every team in the top five could take a quarterback, and that could really shake up the draft. Uh, even as far as rumors go. Now moving to a team who is set, as far as we know, at the quarterback position, there's always a chance they move up, uh, they move a quarterback up on their big board to take him, is the New York Giants. Now going into the combine, Jedrick Wills was the most popular choice uh, tagged to the Giants, but now it seems like they're leaning towards Isaiah Simmons. There's a report came out that they were just enamored by him, by Derek Brown, and they could, be, they could also be candidates to move back because... Uh, if they don't take Isaiah Simmons and they go for Derek Brown, that's a guy they feel like they could get at seven or eight or nine, uh, depending on how the chips fall and how many quarterbacks go in the first round. But they can net some more capital and still get a guy they feel really comfortable in, uh, or even take Jedrick Wills at that point. Because if there's the run on offensive tackles isn't, you know, as far as mock drafts and rumors go, isn't supposed to come till about seven, eight, nine. So they could still get one of those four guys if they're interchangeable in their minds. Uh, but gain some more capital. So that's something to look out for with them in the draft. As far as free agency rumors go, I think Leonard Williams, they're talking about tagging him. But other than that, not not too much to talk about. The Giants are really focusing on the draft, uh, you know, with their computer folk and whatnot. 
But the Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, are going to be the busiest team this uh, this draft season. Do they trade up? Do they wait for two? I hope he's there. Is Justin Herbert? Do they feel better about him? Jordan Love? Who's who's gonna be uh, who's gonna be set up where? I think the most interesting thing, and we'll talk about it as we get later on with some of these teams, is Jordan Love is the perfect candidate, the perfect type of guy that'll move up draft boards the longer he uh, the longer we're removed from the regular season of college football. The more that we don't see him in game time, and he can wow us with these uh, bowl throws in Senior Bowl in the combine in his pro day, because he's got elite arm talent, some of the best we have in the 2020 draft. Um, but decision making was an issue. But some teams might fall in love with that big arm that he's got. But yeah, the Dolphins are they are they okay settling with guys like that? Do they want to trade up to the Lions just on the off chance that they might want to take Tua? Um, will they give up some of their first round capital? I think an ideal draft for the Dolphins is quarterback with the first, their first first, uh, and then offensive tackle with their second first, and the third third first, yeah, they've got three, uh, would be a Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, one of those guys, to really fill out their roster from an offensive standpoint, and then in later rounds go attack the defensive side of the ball. But they've got the most capital. That gives them the best chance to trade up. Um but who who knows honestly what the Dolphins are going to do? You know they they are they like Tua, they like what they've seen from him, and he's been linked to that organization since the beginning of uh, the college football season. After them, we've got the Chargers. The Chargers are also rumored to be in the market for a quarterback. But does that mean they find one in free agency? Do they draft Justin Herbert, Jordan Love? Who do they like here? That's that's the the big question. Does Tyrod Taylor has he impressed people enough in? In practices to say to prove that he can be the guy and that they don't need to go after one uh, at all will they just settle for an offensive tackle maybe some defense a wide receiver uh, or do they leapfrog the leapfrog the Dolphins and draft Tua I mean there's possibilities are endless here they obviously don't have as much capital but they could be looking to move a couple guys um, and and get some capital from them but very interesting to see what happens don't know. Chargers are, are one of the bigger question marks in the draft. I mean, everyone just automatically assumes they go quarterback. But what happens if they can agree to a deal with Teddy Bridgewater or something like that? Uh, so who knows here? Panthers, another big question mark. Cam Newton is rumored to be the guy coming into this 2020 season. But will that stop them from drafting a quarterback early? Can they pass on Jordan Love or Justin Herbert or Tua if he falls there? Do they go offensive tackle? Do they go defense? Derek Brown may still be around at this point. Where does Matt Rule go? This is his first year, and only a, a lot of GMs and coaches, they really only get one top-tier quarterback to draft. They get one shot at it, and if they mess up, it can just derail their entire plans because you can't spend first and second round picks on quarterbacks year after year hoping one pans out because you've got more needs in the draft. I mean, the Panthers are a decently set team. They've got a few holes that they can fill. But if I'm Matt Rule, this isn't the year I go quarterback. I'll give I'll give Cam Newton another shot, Kyle Allen backing him up. But if after this year he can't produce something or, you know, if I can't get some solid trade capital from him, just let him go. Don't re-sign him. Uh, I, ideally, trading Cam Newton is the best possible path to go. I mean, he could go to the Bears, the Titans, the Chargers, the Colts even maybe. Uh, just depends on what team wants him. Getting capital off Cam Newton is ideal. And I don't want to say tank, but giving them a year to kind of figure things out would be good for the Panthers and put themselves in primetime drafting position for next year. But maybe they like Herbert enough to pull the trigger if he's available. Maybe they'll move up. Um, I mean, it would be interesting to see if, you know, a team like the Dolphins or the Lions package, you know, work out some sort of package where the Cardinal or the Panthers trade up and include Cam Newton in a part of that deal. Because I think he's only 31. He's got uh, a lot more football left in him. Moving on here, we've got the Cardinals. Now, big question for them, offensive tackle or wide receiver? I think if it was ultimately up to Cliff Kingsbury, he would go wide receiver all day. Like I feel like his mindset is the best way to stop or the best way to help a poor offensive line is to just give the quarterback more receivers to throw to. Now, whether or not that's a good strategy, I I mean, I'd lean towards no, but the Cardinals at some point have to prioritize offensive tackle. Uh, that's where I go in this situation. And realistically, 
if all the chips fall correctly, they could have their pick of the top four. Now, obviously, the top four, Jedrick Wills, Makai Becton, Andrew Thomas, and wow, I just blanked on the last one. Tristan Wirfs. There we go. Uh, Tristan Wirfs uh, did extremely well at the Combine. Very mobile. Same with Makai Becton. For as big as they are, very mobile prospects. And I don't know, maybe Cliff Kingsbury can use those guys in in some sort of offensive uh, situations. They're not just blocking, but catching a pass, you know, something like that. Um, but the Cardinals, that's the big question for them right now. Also, do they trade David Johnson? I mean, he's been struggling with injury. He had one really solid year, but he fell off mightily. And Kenyon Drake took over the role uh, at running back and did a really good job. So do they try to move him? If they do, what kind of market does he have? Can they get a fourth or fifth rounder? Would they want to part with him for that much? Do they think he's got more left in the tank? Uh, but those are the big questions for, for the Cardinals. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars lost a lot of defensive players, but got some good capital from them. Uh, do they go offensive tackle here? Do they protect Gardner Minshew, who it feels like is going to be their guy moving into next season? Uh, Yannick Ngakwe was franchise tagged or it's announced that he will be. He's not happy. He wants to be gone. Um, so do they try a, a tag and trade situation, trying to get more capital? Because at 25, he's one of the premier pass rushers uh, as far as skill and age and all of that go into play. Um, and I think he's tied for the league lead in fumble since he for, since he's come into the league or tied for third or something like that. Um, but defense, I, I have a feeling that's what they're going to prioritize here. Derek Brown could be available at this spot. Um, but if they don't, you could go offensive tackle. Like I said, maybe two or three are on the board uh, or off the board. So you've at most. So you've still got some of those top tier elite guys. Um, as far as wide receivers go, I I don't think they go wide receiver here. It would be interesting. It would be a bit of a shakeup. Um, but yeah, they could go defense. There's a couple of premier prospects still on the board here at this point. But it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. The Browns has to be offensive tackle, right? Like there's no other there's no other way you can go here. I mean, that's that was their most pressing need. Um, the defense, they've got a lot of skill guys there. They could just have to put it together and make something work. Offensively, Nick Chubb, I mean, that's a solid running back. Baker Mayfield struggled, but give them give him a chance. You know, they've got top end wide receivers, tight ends. There's no way they go this early. Uh, linebacker, same thing. I mean, that's their main issues. I I would believe is linebacker and offensive tackle. So you just got to hope that run on offensive tackles has them with a spot. Getting a guy, getting a guy that they like. Uh, Tristan Wirfs, I think, is the most popular name linked to the Browns. Uh, and moving on to the the Jets, offensive tackle. Hopefully, they're another one of those teams where it's like there there could be four offensive tackles that go in the top ten, you know, top twelve, which puts the Jets really crossing their fingers, hoping that a guy. I mean, they're at eleven, but they got to hope that a guy lasts one of the four. Um, so if they do, if not, does wide receiver come into play? I mean, that's where this is tough for these teams here, the Jets. Uh, the Browns, and even the Raiders and the Colts, a lot of their draft board is going to be shaped by what teams do. I mean, will four quarterbacks uh, and four offensive linemen go in the first 10 picks? I mean, there's a chance that happens because you've got um, you've got Okuda is probably going to go. Chase Young is probably going to go in the top 10. Isaiah Simmons, maybe. like So you're moving in top 11, top 12, because it's probably going to be four offensive four offensive linemen, four quarterbacks, and four premier defensive talent that go in those top 12 picks. But then, wait a minute, Jerry, Judy, CeeDee, Lamb, where are they going to go? How is that going to fit? So there's just so much to consider here, and we won't know until we get closer to the draft what's going to happen. But with the Jets, you got an offensive line as priority. But Robbie Anderson may be gone uh, this year. Le'Veon Bell, not happy just this early into his contract. I mean, it's kind of a tough organization with Adam Gase there. Um, but do you go wide receiver? Jerry, Judy, C.D. Lamb, Henry Ruggs, all three top-tier guys may be on the board at this point still. They could have their pick. Um, and you know you want to surround Sam Darnold with talent. The Raiders. Now this is, you know, we're, we're moving on here. Gets a little more interesting. The move to Las Vegas. We know John Gruden is a guy that likes to have, likes his, he loves his quarterbacks. And it doesn't feel like that love is there with Derek Carr. So do they try and move him? Do they try and make a trade? Do they draft Jordan Love? Do they sign another guy, Teddy Bridgewater, Phillip Rivers, you know, one of those quarterbacks that could be a bridge and, and find a guy that John Gruden really likes? Because it's important to make a splash in Las Vegas. It's important to get fans excited about the team. 
since you moved there. I mean, we've seen bad moves. The the Las Vegas or the excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers. They struggled to get a good uh, a good showing for their team. Same with the Rams. I mean, they're not they've had success, but they're not really they're not really performing. Well, no, it's not even performing. I would say they're not they're not getting the fans that they want to. Considering they are one of the top teams in the NFC, I know they just missed the playoffs, but who are they going to have that that uh, shines? You know, that, that gives them that superstar potential. I mean, they've been rumored to go after to to want Tom Brady, uh, but do they go Jordan Love here? Do they go wide receiver? I mean, you know how how is this how is this draft going to fall? And it's almost the same situation for the Colts. I mean, they need do they go quarterback here? Do they are they signing Philip Rivers? Uh, Jordan Love would be a perfect guy to back up uh, Philip Rivers if if they do decide to make that transition. But you've got wide receivers left on the board. But do they attack free agency? Is Philip Rivers, Andy Dalton, Derek Carr the answer? And if so, do they trade back? I mean, what you know? There's it all depends on how the board falls because we don't really know what it's going to look like here. I mean, there's only so many guys that can go in this in these top 13 spots. And you ask any analyst, and they'll give you any random combination of 13. You've got your top end guys, but then it's like there's still some elite talent that's going to slip through the cracks here at 13. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Bucks, also in the market for a quarterback. It seems like a, a common theme for a lot of these guys. Uh, does Jameis Winston come back? I mean, we know he had this meniscus surgery. He had a LASIK surgery. He broke his thumb last season, playing through a lot, and... I mean, Bruce Arians, that's the perfect guy to fit his offense. But if he can't find another guy, there's a good chance they stay with with um, Jameis Winston. And now on the board, you're left with Javon Kinlaw, Clavion Chason, two elite defenders that really haven't even been discussed so far at this point in the draft. Uh, so they'd have their pick there. They also decided to franchise tag Shaq Barrett, which means they can't tag uh, Jameis Winston. So where where do they go? Does Jameis Winston get that thirty three to thirty five million dollars at the very least thirty million that he wants? Uh, probably, I would say so. I mean, where you know where else can you possibly uh, where else can you go? A guy that's going to fit that mold that Bruce Arians vertical offense um, and focus on defense. I mean, you don't need a wide receiver. You could use some offensive line, but at fourteen, probably none of those guys are going to be left at this point for you. Um, but other than that, that's that's their biggest hole is is defense. You could go a number of ways there, but Calavian Chason or Javon Kinlaw seem like a really good fit for that organization there. And the Broncos, they're on the back end here. I mean, they're they're hoping an elite wide receiver falls to them or an elite offensive tackle slips through the cracks. But if not, do you trade back? I mean, that that seems like the smart idea because here in these teens, we're gonna see a lot of elite defensive guys that that move through the draft, but do the Broncos need that? Is that their priority? Um, maybe do they trade up? I mean, that those are the two questions they're faced with because they need to give Drew Locke protection and they need to give him receivers. And at this point, they're in the the dead zone where maybe they do just focus on um, focus on defensive talent, bolstering that, and hoping they can get an offensive tackle later on. Uh, and obviously, the wide receiver talent is insane. One of the best classes we've seen. So if you don't get a guy here at 15, you can easily move back and get a guy later on. Moving on here, the Falcons. The Falcons, this is the perfect spot for them. They're going to have their pick of, do you want a safety? Do you want a defensive lineman? I suspect that they're going to go uh, They're going to go Calavion Chason or Javon Kenlaw, whichever one the Bucks don't take, obviously barring some sort of material change. Um but yeah, bolstering up that defense, give somebody, uh, give Grady Jarrett some help on that line, just someone to take away pressure from him, and and they'll have a good chance to succeed. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, a lot of big questions for them. They've got a lot of guys to pay. It feels like they're not making any progress with Dak Prescott. Do they just tag him and try again next year? Uh, does that burn some bridges for him? Will he not want to come back? Um, defense, that's what Stephen Jones said they want to focus on. They're going to have their pick. Do they want to go cornerback? I don't think I don't see a cornerback going off the board. Uh, maybe the Bucks take one, but maybe one is gone by the time they get to the Cowboys. But do they want Xavier McKinney? Do they want this Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield, safety cornerback C.J. Henderson, Christian Fulton? Uh, they're going to have their pick of a few a few secondary guys, which 
if Byron Jones walks, which many expect him to do so, they're going to need to find his replacement in that secondary. Um, but the biggest thing for the Cowboys right now is re-signing that core talent, getting Amari Cooper locked up, getting Dak Prescott locked up, and, and going from there. Now, the Steelers don't have a draft pick. Uh, the Dolphins will be drafting in their place, but their biggest question is who's going to play quarterback. I mean, is Big Ben the answer coming back from from his injury? I, I can't imagine it's any of the guys that that started for them. Mason Rudolph. Um, oh, man, I just blanked. Devlin Hodges. You know, I, I don't think from what we saw from them, it was kind of a bit of a carousel between the two. Um, didn't show enough to be that starting quarterback quality. Um, maybe they're in the market for a trade. Maybe Cam Newton. Uh, they could get Cam Newton, Andy Dalton. That would be something, actually. Andy Dalton going to a crosstown rival or a cross-division rival. But what is the strategy with no first-rounder? I mean, I feel like they, they feel comfortable with the pa- the pass catchers they have, so they don't need to really focus on that as much. They've got a decent defense. Do they draft a quarterback? I It feels too early at this point, considering um, who they have on the team here. But maybe in the third or fourth round, they, they can make a move for a guy um, but maybe a, an elite wide receiver talent falls to them in the second round that they like. They can't pass up on. Uh, there's going to be plenty of talent at the wide receiver class. This isn't the last you're going to hear about them. Uh, but yeah, what do they do? That's their biggest question. And then moving on to the Bears, another QB question. They're rumored to bring in Andy Dalton for for uh, some quarterback competition for Mitch Trubisky in the offseason. Uh, do they go wide receiver in the draft? Are you content with Allen Robinson being your top pass catcher? I would, I would assume they go for like a Denzel Mims or uh, Chase Claypool, one of those guys in the late second round that big physical can make a big difference for the team. Um, and defensively, you just got to uh, lock it down. You know, where are your holes? What are you missing? Um, do they need secondary help? What, what's, their, what's their target here? But that's their big question. And same with the Steelers. What do they do? What's their strategy without a first rounder that, now that they've given one up? Uh, and a third straight team that does not have a first-round pick is the L.A. Rams. Now, they're rumored to tag Dante Fowler, but they've got a lot of guys to pay at this point. Like, they're going to run out of money soon. Aaron Donald, I believe, got an extension. Jalen Ramsey's going to want one soon. They got rid of um, Aqib Tlaib, but defensively, they've got a lot of guys to pay. They just paid Jared Goff a big salary. Uh, Todd Gurley is owed a lot of money over these next few years. Do they trade Todd Gurley? Is that... Is that a conversation worth having and drafting a running back? I mean, A.J. Dillon's going to fall. Anthony McFarlane is going to fall. There's a lot of talent in the running back category that they'll see in the third and even fourth round. Um, But they did draft last year, Daryl Henderson. So are they content with him? Do they think he can weather out the storm? Or do they look for another guy here in these later rounds? And same. I mean, it's the same question. What are you going to do? Don't have a first-round pick, but you did get a guy like Jalen Ramsey. So, where, where's your point of attack here? Do you is it? Uh, are you considering signing a, or trading for or drafting a Jared Goff replacement at this point? Now, the Eagles. The Eagles need a wide receiver badly. There's going to be a lot of talent here. This is the perfect spot because they're far enough removed from the elite talent that it's not too much of a reach if they go after LaVisca Chenault, Brandon Ayuk, uh, T. Higgins, Jalen Rager, one of those guys. It's it's all going to be based off of, of need and fit, what they feel like works best with their system. Um, maybe there's a chance. I've seen a couple mocks where Henry Ruggs falls to 21. If that's the case, do you pull the trigger? I mean, they. I think Eagles fans would love to see a second coming of Deshaun Jackson there in Philadelphia. But you've also, you know, Justin Jefferson made a big showing at the Combine. Like, they're they're still going to have their pick even if the top three guys are gone. Uh, same with the Bills. Now, the Bills, if Ruggs is available at 21 to the Eagles, he's probably going to go. So you're left with the question, do we focus on wide receiver now? Like I said, a lot of, a lot of really good, not elite talent, but really good talent here in the back end of the first. And Josh Allen needs pass catchers. Or do you wait until the second round, maybe even trade back, get some – Get some capital and still get a guy you want early in the second round or even later in the first. With the Patriots, the number one question is going to be Tom Brady. What is he going to do? Where is he going to go? And as far as if he's gone, the Patriots are going to have a lot of questions to answer. Quarterback may be the first, but if Kyle Van Noy goes, you know, who are you going to draft his replacement here? 
They need help at wide receiver. Julian Edelman's not getting any younger. They need a tight end. They need some more defensive playmakers. I mean, there's a lot of money that needs to be spent on the team that has a lot of elite talent and has already spent a lot of money. So here at 25, I think, or 24, wherever this selection is, do they go quarterback? Is it too early for Jacob Eason? Uh, realistically, I have a feeling there's going to be some elite defender that's going to get left out on the board. Uh, one guy I really like, A.J. Epinesa. Uh, he had a bad combine, but he's shown the, the traits he has. He's a top 10 guy skill level, but they're worried he doesn't have a position. Um, but the Patriots know how to pick up a couple guys that teams are worried on and, and form them into a formidable player. So that would be a great look for them. But later on in the draft, you got to go tight end. You need to go. You need to at some point draft a wide receiver, but they can do that in the third round. Don't have a second rounder because they traded that for Mohamed Sanu. So do you sign Hunter Henry? I know he's been linked, linked to the Patriots. Very, very interesting. A lot of questions that these Patriots need to solve uh, in this offseason. And number one is getting Tom Brady and then letting the dominoes fall. But if he's gone, uh, where do you go at quarterback? One of my favorite conspiracies that I've kind of concocted in my head is uh, an idea where the Colts signed Phillip Rivers, which I want to say on the record, I think is a mistake. I don't think he performed well enough this past season with the Chargers, with that team, to basically go to a team that's worse offensively. I will say it. You know, unless we see some big-time improvement, T.Y. Hilton's not getting any younger. We've got a great offensive line. Marlon Mack benefits because of that. But you can't be successful throwing the ball to Marcus Johnson, Zach Pascal. That just doesn't happen. So if the Colts do end up signing Phillip Rivers, they'll likely draft Jordan Love. And this leaves Jacoby Brissett as the odd man out. Now, is there a chance that the Colts make a move and maybe send, uh, maybe try and get a second rounder next year or even a third rounder next year for Jacoby Brissett? Could he come back to New England and maybe take over the starting role, at the very least be uh, the QB in training, to uh, replace Tom Brady. Obviously, the Colts would have to eat some some of his cap because I think he's owed $20 million. Uh, but they may willingly do that to get some draft capital and the Patriots get their quarterback of the future who is pretty comfortable in that New England offense. The Saints. I think they're the perfect location for Jordan Love. Now, they probably won't trade up to get him, but they, you know if he somehow falls to 23, which would be a miracle for New Orleans, uh, this would be a great spot for, for him to go. But if Jordan Love doesn't fall back, if they don't trade up, Justin Jefferson, a hometown guy, played at LSU, won the national championship, would be a great compliment to Mike Thomas. Uh, he's available. I mean, that's their biggest their biggest need right now um, is finding a guy opposite of Mike Thomas. Like, he's not going to he's not, gonna, not going to put up record-breaking seasons every year, and you can't keep relying on him to do so because when Drew Brees is gone, he has a habit of making guys look really good. I mean, Mike Thomas is extremely talented, all-pro receiver in his own right. But with with Drew Brees uh, and what he can do with the football, his accuracy just makes Mike Thomas that much better. But getting a guy like Justin Jefferson, who surprised us with his speed, running a 4-4-40, uh, and great route runner, great incredible route tree, great hands, great run-after-the-catch abilities— uh, that's a perfect fit. Or my my favorite may be, you know, obviously behind Jordan Love. I think that's their best possible scenario. Um, and for the hometown, Justin Jefferson. But LaVisca Chenault was a quarterback in high school, has a lot of, of, of arm in his arsenal. I think Sean Payton would fall in love with a guy like that, especially if Taysom Hill's gone. Getting a big-bodied receiver, a guy who can make a lot of catches, but also somebody they could work into the playbook, you know, uh, take some snaps at quarterback, be that Taysom Hill, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball, I think Sean Payton would absolutely be drooling, tripping over himself if those first two guys are gone. I mean, they've got a lot of a, a lot of area and room to uh, improve. Like they've got they've got a hefty draft board that if a few guys are gone, they're not stressing. Next up is the Vikings. Are they set on Kirk Cousins? Are they looking to move on from him, find another guy, draft his replacement? Uh, do they? get one at all in free agency or the draft. And cornerback, I think, is their biggest need. But the two top guys, Christian Fulton and C.J. Henderson, may be gone at that. Well, I guess top three because Okuda is going to be gone too. Uh, do they reach on Jeff Gladney? I just posted a mock draft, or I will be posting soon, depending on when this podcast comes out, a mock draft for Student Union Sports where I had them taking Jeff Gladney, uh, the cornerback at a TCU. Maybe a bit of a reach, but that's their biggest need right now. Xavier Rhodes fell off a cliff it feels like last year, 
and he seems like the perfect fit to at least give Xavier Rhodes some competition here as we move into training camp next season. The Texans need some O-line help here as we move on in the draft. Trading for Laramie Tunzel helped solve the problem partially, but I mean, you're, they missed out last year on the draft. They wanted Andre Dillard. They got jumped by the Eagles for him. Uh, but Josh Jones could be available here. Austin Jackson could also be available. That may be the spot to go. But if not, do you find a defensive guy, maybe a safety? Is that, I mean, they have a lot of areas to go to. But this year's a big year for Bill O'Brien. They He really needs to uh, show that he can win in the playoffs with this team. And if he doesn't, I think there should be consideration that he needs to be headed out. It's it's a Marvin Lewis type spot here where, I mean, they got lucky in that comeback over the Bills. I will say it. But other than that, what have they done in the playoffs? I mean, they just haven't shown up. Their division's getting better. The Colts, Jags, and Titans are all going to fight for that AFC crown next year, AFC South crown. Um, so they need to make some considerable improvements, whether in-house or through free agency in the draft. Or else Bill O'Brien should, should and could be on the outs. Big question for the Seahawks. Do you sign Jerron Reed or Jadavion Clowney? I don't feel like they can do both given their given their um, cap limitation signing Russell Wilson to that big contract. Well-deserved by him, I will say. He deserved it 100%, but you got to look at, at getting cheaper in some areas. Jadavion Clowney is going to want 20 to $22 million, and a guy who, yes, is a game wrecker, but statistically didn't have the best season, uh, you, you gotta you gotta wonder do they draft his replacement? Uh, I think AJ Epinesa would be a great guy to fit here if he falls. Uh, Neville Gallimore, interior defensive lineman. Uh, Ross Blacklock is another guy. I'm trying to think. Marlon Davidson. There's a few guys here at the back end of the first round they could move to, but Jerron Reed may be the guy they re-sign just because he's going to be more affordable than Davion Clowney and for good reason. But then they go they have to go offensive line here at the end of the first. But then the big question is, do they go for more more wide receivers? Is that is that the area that uh, do they feel comfortable in Greg Olson and uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf? They're going to have some room here at the end of the second and end of the third to look at a couple of these guys. But uh, yeah, they're going to have to ask themselves the question: Are they set with who they with who they have? Do they feel like Russell Wilson has enough targets to be successful? And if not, they're going to have to make a couple moves here in the late second, late third. The Ravens, not a ton of issues here. Uh, Matt Judon is gone. They should be looking for an edge guy. Zach Bond out of Wisconsin would be a great fit. Uh, do they need more wide receivers? Are they content? I mean, they Lamar Jackson utilizes his tight ends to the utmost, but are you okay with Hollywood Brown as the number one guy? I mean, he's a speed guy, but do you look for a big, more big-bodied pass catcher that can also fill that role like the tight ends play with Lamar Jackson in that offense? Uh, are, do you feel comfortable with your offensive line? Uh, not a ton of questions they need to be answered. Uh, ultimately, will Lamar Jackson play at an MVP level like he did last year? Will go a long way in uh, resolving some of those other questions. So if he can answer that one, the team has a really good shot to be in a good position for next year. The Titans, their biggest question is, will they run it back? Do they do they feel like the team they have in place is good enough to win win games again? I personally don't believe they should they should re-sign Derrick Henry. I think you tag Ryan Tannehill, and then at the end of the first round here, you draft Derrick Henry's re- replacement in Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he played a nearly identical role to what Derrick Henry did uh, with the Titans this past year, but he's way, way less miles, way cheaper. Uh, he has a fumbling problem, but he's also carried the ball about 300 times per season for the Titans or for the for the Wisconsin Badgers. So he could come through, fulfill that role, and they could essentially run the exact same offense uh, here with a guy who's a, a lot younger. And honestly, Derrick Henry's best years are behind him. I don't think he's going to repeat what he did these past two seasons. And they've got to cash in on a guy like Jonathan Taylor, an elite running back who's luckily, hopefully available for them here at the end of the first round, um, and, and then go from there. Packers need more pass catchers, whether that's Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, uh, LaVisca Chenault, whoever it is, I feel like you have to pull the trigger. Uh, if they're all gone and you don't feel comfortable, either trading back or signing offensive line uh, would be the next possible move here. But Aaron Rodgers, you've got to protect him. You've got to get some get some bodies uh, either on the offensive line or lining up a receiver that can catch passes 
uh, or protect him. Because when Devontae Adams went down, the Packers looked like a mess. I mean, uh, granted, there wasn't a lot, a whole lot to love there uh, with what they had done this season. You know, they had times where they just looked terrible and obviously got blown out in the NFC Championship game. But there was a lot to love. There was a lot of good stuff there. And getting a pass catcher, maybe even Brandon Ayuk, that's my personal favorite uh, for the Packers here. Just a, a guy who can make nearly every catch. has got a great route tree. Um, but yeah, bottom bottom end of the first round here, got to go receiver. And the 49ers and Chiefs, I mean, they're the last two teams here. They they don't have a ton of holes, either of them. I mean, for the 49ers, you could say, oh, maybe Jimmy G, maybe get get his replacement. But I don't I, I don't think he's given us too much to worry about. If he makes that throw to Emmanuel Sanders uh, just on the money, that's a touchdown, and they're putting all the, the stress and pressure on Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs there at the end of the Super Bowl. Uh, 49ers probably go, go safety, um, maybe defensive line depending on how it shapes out because they will have to pay their guys at some point. I mean, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa um, are two elite guys. Eric Armstead... I believe is is on the market now, like will be a free agent this year. And Nick Bosa is on the path to being one of the highest paid defensive ends when he hits the market in about four years. So you got to start planning for the future a little bit because an elite defense means you got to pay a lot of guys. The Chiefs, same thing. Probably go uh, defensive line somewhere, maybe a safety. They already, re- or linebacker, they already franchise tagged or going to franchise tag Chris Jones. So not a ton of holes there. Maybe you go receiver if you want to uh, break up from uh, the speed because you've got Mikko Hardman and Tyreek Hill already. Maybe a, a big-bodied receiver, a cheaper Sammy Watkins, maybe even more effective at this point. But that's going to do it for all these 32 teams. Right here before we end, that took a little bit longer than I expected, so we're just going to speed through this uh, this playoffs here. Okay, So if the playoffs started today in the East, it would go as follows. The Bucks, the Raptors. The Celtics, the Heat, the Sixers, the Pacers, the Magic, and the Brooklyn Nets. In the West, it's the Lakers, the Denver Nuggets, the Clippers, the Rockets, the Jazz, the Thunder, the Mavericks, and the Memphis Grizzlies. Let's go ahead and start in the East here. We're just going to whip through uh, as fast as we can and and get you guys out of here in about 5-10 minutes. First series... Milwaukee against Brooklyn, Kyrie Irving shut down for the rest of the year. This is going to be a game or a series where Milwaukee steamrolls. They're going to build a lot of hype for themselves. People are going to be wondering, can they win it all? Uh, they may drop one game at the most, but I'm, I'm thinking 4-0 um, Milwaukee. Next matchup, Toronto and, and Orlando. Same idea here. Um, I think they actually matched up last year in the playoffs. The Magic stole one game before the Raptors went on a tear. Uh Similar situation. I think they'll steal one more game again. They just have they have that potential to, you know, just I mean, if DJ Augustin goes off again, or you know, like a similar type of performance uh, like that, they'll they'll win one game. So I'm going to go four uh, one. Celtics Pacers Pacers have looked really strong without Oladipo. Oladipo hasn't come back healthy, hasn't fully gotten back to his form. Um, I like Boston in six here. I think the Pacers are going to keep it interesting, but ultimately. Uh, they just have a lot of youth and a lot of guys that won't show up. So it's 4-2, 4-1, uh, either one, the Celtics. And then the most interesting uh, first-round matchup by far in the East is going to be the Heat and the Sixers. The Sixers are largely disappointing. They were my finals pick um, at the beginning of the season, 76ers and Clippers, and I think they are going to edge the Heat. Now, they've played pretty terribly uh, as far as gelling together over these past few weeks keeping it close, obviously dominating a home, but I like the 76ers in this one, just given they have more experience. Al Horford knows how to turn it on in the playoffs, and he will do so, but I think it goes seven games. I think um, the the 76ers win all of their games at home and then take a vital game seven over uh, a Miami Heat team that is lacking that, that experience, I guess, outside of Jimmy Butler. And then the second round, we're going to go Milwaukee Bucks, Philadelphia 76ers, and then Toronto and Boston. I think the Bucks steamroll the 76ers. I don't think it's close. Um, maybe two game, two wins from the 76ers, but it's going to be uh, the Bucks in five or six. And those wins are going to be 15 to 20-point wins. Then Toronto and Boston. I This one's a tough one. I think this one will go seven games uh, in this series. 
I think it will go down to whoever has home court advantage is eventually going to move on uh, just because it's going to be a gritty series. I mean, these are two hardworking, diving on the floor in the grinding in the paint teams. Um, And since the, the, the Raptors are currently the two seed, that's going to be enough to give them the edge. So I'm going to have Boston uh, falling to the Raptors in, in seven games. And then finally we got one and two Milwaukee, Toronto, I like Milwaukee. I think so far the teams they faced have given them a good challenge, but really not enough. This, game, this series goes six or seven games. I think the Raptors will grind it out um, and eventually you know, give them something to, to work for, but it's going to be the Bucks out of the East in the NBA Finals. Now in the West, first matchup, Lakers-Grizzlies. Grizzlies probably take one game. I think John Morant gets it going one time. Uh, it feels very similar to uh, the... Is it the 2001 NBA Finals when it was the Lakers and the 76ers? Uh, John Morant's going to go off one game and, and carry carry the Grizzlies on his back, um, but the Lakers eventually are going to take it over and win the series in five. Number two, we've got the Nuggets and the Dallas Mavericks. I think this one's going to be a lot closer than people expect. Like I said, the Denver Nuggets don't really have that legit star, and I do think Dallas will push them to six or seven. Uh, but if I had to put a number on it exactly, I think it's going to be the Nuggets in seven games uh, winning that last one because of that home court advantage. And then next series is the Clippers and the Thunder. Three versus six. Chris Paul is going to be playing against his, well, technically it's two teams ago, but still same uh, same coach in Doc Rivers. Got I like the Lakers here. Six, Five or six games maybe. Um, just a lot of inexperience out of Oklahoma City, regardless of, I know they have Chris Paul, but just as a team, I I don't really trust them um, in the playoffs. I mean, I know, I think I talked about it last week, Oklahoma City is one of the best teams in crunch time, um, but playoff atmosphere is totally different. Kawhi and Paul George are used to being the closers on their team, and I already talked about so many of those guys can, can get a bucket for them when necessary. So I like the Clippers in six. And then finally, Houston and Utah. Uh, I, I want to say Utah here. I really do. But I don't think they haven't gelled enough as well uh, together as a team. Mike Conley struggled. Joe Ingles has struggled. Everyone's been having issues. Uh, so I like Houston, but in seven. I think they're going to push them close, but uh, uh, it won't be enough to move on to the next round. And then we've got the Lakers in Houston. I think it's 4-1. I don't think it's close. I think the Lakers are going to dominate in nearly every facet, uh, they're gonna they're gonna try and move to their small ball lineup. But the Lakers have a team that can can work with that. You know, if you if you line up, uh, let's see, you go LeBron, AD, Danny Green, Avery Bradley, and Rajon Rondo. I mean, those are some really good defenders, really shut down guys, and that doesn't even account for Kyle Kuzma coming off the bench. So yeah, four one Lakers, and they're just they're steamrolling here in the playoffs. And then Denver and Clippers. I'm going to go Clippers in six. I don't think uh, Denver has enough to compete. Maybe next year if they can get things figured out, but we just keep waiting for Jamal Murray to hit that next level, hit that next step, and I'm worried it's never going to happen. Uh, so so for them, they're going to they're gonna play big in a couple games. Jokic is going to have some 30-point triple-double games that will get them wins, but inevitably it'll be too much for the Lakers. And then one of the most exciting uh, battles in the playoffs is going to be L.A. versus L.A., uh, it's going to be a full seven-game series, but I do think the Clippers are going to lose. Now, I was literally thinking that up till the last second. Like, I'm very split on what where these teams are faced. And right now, since we're saying where the playoffs start today, if you're talking to me uh, when the playoffs start, maybe this is a different conversation because I know the Clippers have more time to get their chemistry issues figured out They've got some superstars on their team, but right now the Lakers look like uh, an NBA Finals team and the Clippers do not. I think it's seven games, though. I think they push them to the limit. But once Marcus Morris and Reggie Jackson find their role in the team, I think the Clippers very well have a chance to to make the finals. But right now, if we're going off of today, it has to be the Lakers. I can't, at this point, LeBron James, I can't go against him. And finally, it's the Lakers and the Bucks in the NBA Finals. And this one goes six. I don't think it goes the full seven, but I like the Lakers here. Like I said, don't want to bet against LeBron James. Anthony Davis is really coming into his own, and LeBron knows when to turn it on when he has to, and he knows when to pull it back when he doesn't. So 
Like I said, I said earlier in the show, the biggest issue is going to be if LeBron gets tired. But right now, they've got a five and a half game lead on first place, and they're winning. They're winning the games they need to. They're winning enough to keep the critics happy. Uh, and I, I think LeBron's still leaving some of the tank, which is crazy to say. But right now, uh, the Bucks have the best plus minus. Thir- they're winning by 13 points. But when it comes down to it, some of these teams are going to figure out ways to stop Giannis. They're going to figure not stop him completely, but limit him. And when that happens, can you rely on Chris Middleton? Can you rely on Eric Bledsoe, Brooke Lopez? I don't think so. So at this point, right now, if the season ended today, I know, I know it's very, uh, very original having the one seeds face off against each other. But I mean, they're one seeds for a reason, and I, I got to take the Lakers here. That's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. In the following weeks, we're hoping to have a couple of draft analysts on, hopefully getting some mock drafts out. I know I'm really excited about it. Some guys you've heard before, maybe some new guys are going to come on. Uh, But thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.